we have a special treat for you today. Darren and Shannon, uh, our lead pastor and his wife, are taking a much-needed uh, rest and break uh, away this weekend, so we're so glad that they get to do that. Uh, but we are so blessed with so many great teachers that God has brought to our church family uh, that you're going to be in for a treat. But Darren really wanted to introduce our speaker this morning, so watch this video. Good morning. We are so bummed that we don't get to be with you today. Shannon and I are thinking about you and praying for you. We're actually spending the weekend in Chattanooga with my oldest daughter, as well as with my next oldest daughter who leaves for the Navy in just a couple of weeks. So this is actually the last time we're gonna to get to all be together in a room for a while as a family. So we felt it was important to do that. Even though we're super bummed and sad we don't get to be with you guys, we know that you are in really great hands today. Tracy Rogers is about to bring the word. Tracy has a message that she shared with me that I think is a message that we need to hear as a church family. And I want you to know that she is there with the full blessing and support of the elders and the leadership of the church. We're so excited that you get to hear this message. She shared it with me and I was inspired by it and motivated and encouraged and I believe that you will be as well. So take notes, pay real close attention. I'm sure Tracy will give you information on how to find like her website and some of her writings and stuff. She is a great and gifted communicator and teacher and I know that you'll enjoy it. Please know that Shannon and I miss you. We're looking forward to being back there next week and hope you guys have a really blessed time gathering uh, together as a church family. Good morning. I'm Tracy Rogers and um, I have been teaching for years, um, more than five years I've been teaching and I never, ever, ever got to do one and then teach it again. They were always one off. I would teach and then we were done and we moved on to the next thing and I'm doing three in a row and I'm kind of excited about that. I don't know if that's like a pastor hat trick or something like that, but I'm gonna take it um, that I'm doing three in a row today. So I'm thrilled to be with you. I, um, I know I don't know a lot of you yet. I'm looking forward to getting to know you. I, um, I can tell you that I'm married and we have three children. And uh, my, I, I don't like to talk about myself very much, but um, if you have any questions about me, my husband is Kevin and he's wearing a red shirt and he loves to talk about me. So you could just go and ask Kevin and he can tell you everything and more. Um, but I would rather he not tell you, but he would tell you everything. Um, I will say... Our oldest is Preston and he's 17. And so over the years as I have been teaching, Preston has um, been the one who sort of come into classes and um, listen to me teach. So I was sort of excited to tell him that I was gonna get uh, to preach at Conduit. And he said, like on Sunday? And I go, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do that. And he goes, well, don't screw it up. <laughs> And so I was like, okay, so here's hoping I don't screw it up. Um, although I, I do, I'm getting a signal in the back. I was trying to make a way for my earring to not interfere with the microphone and it's not gonna work, but I like kind of want to leave this one on. So our <laughs> Facebook friends will know like I had to do that, but maybe I'm starting a trend now. All right, so today um, our message is titled Fruitful Living, How to Go from Seed to Harvest. And so we're gonna begin with John chapter 15, verse one. It's gonna be on the screen for you and I'll read it. Verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I invite your spirit to be with us today. We come before you worshiping in spirit and in truth, and I pray the spirit would teach us what you would have us learn from this message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So for most of you, this is a familiar passage of scripture. We see it can be a guide to our prayer life. It it encourages us on how we stay close to the Father by staying close to Jesus. But I want you to recognize that within this passage, five times in the first five verses, it calls us to bear fruit. We are called to bear fruit for God. The key to a fruitful life is staying connected to Jesus but we may have some misunderstandings on what staying connected to him looks like or what it feels like. As we keep fruit bearing in mind, we maybe need to recall what the metaphor was that Jesus used when he talked to his disciples. He used a vine and a branch. The disciples would have immediately thought of a grapevine. They're grown in the Middle East. It's a temperate climate, so it doesn't like summers that are too hot. It doesn't like winters that are too cold, but it does need a change of seasons in order to have the optimal produce. Keeping this metaphor in mind and a command to bear fruit, what if the key to fruitfulness lies in understanding that like a vine, we will have seasons in our spiritual walk? What if Jesus wants to show us that our spiritual walk with him will have seasons of summer, of spring, of summer, of fall, and of winter? Wayne Jacobson, in his book, In Season, offers just that. The book shares what each season looks like, and I'll summarize it for you really quickly. Spring is what you would expect it to be. Spring is very similar to how you feel when you actually see spring happening around here. Spring is a wonderful time with the Lord. You feel him so close. When you read your Bible, it's like the words are jumping off the page and they're speaking directly to you. You'll read something and then you'll talk to somebody and they're saying the same thing and you're like, oh Lord, I hear you here. Or you'll listen to a song and it's the same thing. And everywhere you go, it's like you see God everywhere. You hear him everywhere. Loving him is so easy. And you could never think of not being close to the Lord. 
Spiritual summer gets harder. Summer brings struggle and trials. This is when our spiritual walk with him becomes more difficult. This is where spiritual characteristics like endurance and faithfulness are formed. Your summer season is when you're going to find spiritual warfare, or most often that's where. But in those times, our failures become opportunities to get back up and get back in. The summer is also where your faith gets tested. You'll find out if you actually walk what you talk. Spiritual fall is the time for harvest. This is what you've been waiting for and what you've been working for. This is when our work is finished or the trial is over and you have a joyful celebration. We see the fruit of God's power working in us and what he brought forth through our labor. Finally, we have spiritual winter. This is the time for rest. This is when the harvest is gone. The vine is pruned. We put aside what we did. We return to the knowledge of who we are. This is the season that forms your identity. This is where you learn who you are in Christ, not what you did. Today, I want you to begin to see your life is comprised of seasons that contain many harvests. And this is a really good thing. I think you've all had a spring season. It's like, your, it's like the favorite time with the Lord is when you're in spring. You feel him close. You love reading your Bible. You love praying. When you pray, you hear his voice. You love being with him. But what happens is something changes. And you don't feel him as close as you did. And you don't hear him quite like you did. And you begin to wonder, what have I done? Or where did he go? And it becomes very frustrating. I want you to see that that sweet time with Jesus was just a season and you cannot live in one season. It cannot be the sweetness of spring all the time and faith can be wrecked in the transition between spring and summer. We do the same thing with the fall. We look for the thing God has called us to do something and we do it. And we work on it and we pray about it and we see him bring it forth to fruition and it grows and you're working and it's growing and it's going really great. And then all of a sudden it might begin to fall off or the growth isn't happening anymore. And then suddenly you start to worry, what do I need to do? Why can't I get it back? I need to do something else. Lord, where did you go? Where's God? Why isn't this working anymore? Christians will grow into discouragement and doubt when they are trying to hold on to a harvest. We cannot be joyful in the joyful harvest all the time. It could work you into exhaustion and it can leave you frustrated. Learning about seasons of our spiritual life is also going to help you from thinking you just have one purpose in your life, the one thing that you're supposed to do. Because what could happen is you think you did your one thing and that thing is over and you've got the rest of your life ahead of you and you're left there going, now what? When you begin to understand that your spiritual life in this is, is in the context of seasons, then you will not be caught off guard when things begin to change in your spiritual life. You will not be caught off guard when the relationship seems to be changing. 
you will begin to recognize you're not called to one thing, you're called to many harvests. And whenever you pass through one harvest, you can simply look ahead. Another one is coming. It allows us to move into the next season and walk out of a season of fruitfulness. We are called to bear much fruit. But just like any fruit, spiritual life, fruit, spiritual fruit in our spiritual life starts with a seed. Now in the life of a plant, the fruit that is waiting is always starting with a seed. In our spiritual life, God will give you seeds that come in the spring that will lead to a future harvest. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. God, he who supplies seed to the sower. Now, the seed can be different things. It can be a promise. It could be a vision. It could be a call to action. It is something the Lord would say to you that may either put a sparkle in your eye, it may be a stir in your heart, or it could feel like a punch in the gut. Why do I say it like that? I want you to begin to understand when God is giving you seeds or giving you a call to action, it's not gonna feel the same way every time. It's not gonna look the same way every time. It can be different for you in each harvest that you're going through, and it can be very different from the person next to you. Everyone is gonna have something different in terms of the way this seed looks. Why do I say punch in the gut? I want you to think about Moses. The call was clear. God is asking Moses, I want you to lead my people. You're gonna free them out of Egypt, take them through the wilderness and into the promised land. Moses knew that's what he was called to do, but he was resistant to the call. I'm not qualified for that role. Oh, hit me here. A stir in your heart? I want you to think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was doing his own thing. He had a great job in Susa working for the king, and then suddenly he finds out that the newly rebuilt Jerusalem does not have a wall around it. And just like that, it pierced his heart. I've gotta build a wall around that city. Sometimes it's a brand new desire that you did not anticipate. Sparkle in your eye, I want you to think about Sarah, Abraham's barren wife who longed to be a mother, and then God said, you're gonna be a mother. He's giving her what she wanted. The seed is not your spiritual gift. The seed is how you'll use your spiritual gift. So we've just come through a series. Maybe now you have an understanding of what your gift is and you're beginning to process, how do I take the next step? The Lord's gonna give you some seed. The transition from spring to summer means the intimacy of your spiritual walk with Jesus is gone, but really it's not gone, it just feels different. It feels like it's gone. He's still close, you just can't quite feel him in the same way. But when we receive the seed in the springtime, we're gonna do what any farmer would do, and that's plant the seed. When growing vegetables, there are hardships in the summer, we used to have a garden, and I say used to have because we don't do it anymore because it's hard. <laughs> and some of you may have them and you understand that. We would go and we would till out a big spot in the backyard and we would plant the seeds in the ground and then they begin to grow and you're like so excited, like it's really happening. And then it stops raining. 
like always happens. And so we have to water. And so I'm lugging a water hose out into the backyard and I'm watering the garden. But when I start watering the garden, it waters the weeds. And so then all the weeds are coming up right alongside all of my tomato plants. And then we have to go out there and we have to start pulling the weeds. And then the plants begin to produce little tomatoes and you're so excited about that. But then the birds begin to notice and the squirrels begin to notice and then they're coming and they're taking bites out of the fruit. And you've got to try to work to keep them away and put some pesticides on it and take care of all of that or not. If you're organic, organic tomatoes are ugly because they have stuff on them. But <laughs> I had a lot of organic and we just threw them away. So anyway, but it's hard. The summer is a hard season. It's hard in your spiritual life too. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, all discipline for the moment seems not too joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. When you hear discipline in that passage, I want you to think training. The summer reveals our weakness and gives us opportunities to strengthen. In the springtime, God is going to give you the seed, and in the summer, you sow the seed. And so we're called to the work of the growth of the seed. We do our part for a harvest that's to come. The summer is, we be, is when we become stronger in our faith. It's when we're weaned off the constant um, assurance we have from the Lord. It's when we take steps of obedience, not because we feel him close, but because we know who he is and we know what he called us to do. We don't do it because it feels good. We do it because we know. We remember the promise that he made us. Your promise is in the spring are gonna keep you obedient during the summer. And we know as many as are the promises of God in Jesus, they are yes, 2 Corinthians 1.20. Because we know the summer is hard, it's going to make your spring really important. The promises of God are going to keep you faithful, and so you know the harvest that's coming at the end, so you persevere. But summer is also the time when you're going to find yourself in battles and have spiritual warfare. And when you know that's coming, it's really good to have a very close relationship, build those disciplines during the spring season. We cannot wait until the summer to try to discern the voice of God. We're gonna be bombarded by lots of other voices at that time. You're gonna have your own doubts and questions. You're gonna have people speaking to you, telling you what you need to be doing. We probably have the voice of your enemy going on too. And then where's the voice of God in all that? It's not the time to learn. Without understanding what summer is, your spring may just come and go and you weren't at all prepared for what was required of you. Many years ago, I knew spiritual warfare was coming into my life. I knew a battle was ahead. But I'm telling you, I did not prepare for it. I, I didn't do anything for it. it. It was foolishness on my part. It was like standing on a railroad tracks and somebody says, there's a train coming. And I just looked at them and went, oh, okay. And I just stayed there. That's, that's what happened to me. I, the battle came as I was warned. I wasn't prepared. I didn't ask for help when I was going through the struggle. I 
did not have um, strong disciplines in my life to help me stay connected during that time. And frankly, I did not fare well at all. I made it through. There were harvests at the end of it, but I also came through with lots of wounds that are still scars today. Our Hebrews author tells us to strengthen our hands if they're weak, to strengthen your knees if you're feeble. Basically, wherever you're weak, we need to get stronger. And and I wish we could spend a little more time um, thinking about that. Where am I weak? How do I become stronger? I don't really have all of the time to do that. I can simply offer a prayer, Holy Spirit, show us where we're weak. Holy Spirit, make us stronger. Unfortunately, No matter how spiritually strong or spiritually mature you become, your summer season is always going to be a struggle. It doesn't matter how many times you go through summer, you are always going to fight and struggle your way through it. And the reason for that is the curse. Genesis 3 records the fall of man. God brought curses as a consequence for Adam's disobedience. Verse 16, to the woman, God said, I will multiply your pain in childbirth and in pain you will bring forth children. Verse 17 and 18, then to Adam, he said, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you. When we hear about these curses, this is not just about having children and farming the land. If that were the case, all a woman would need to do is not have any children, and then she would not be affected by the curse. And all a man would need to do is just not be a farmer, and he would be free and clear from the curse. And it's just not like that. It's affecting every one of us. It always has. It has to be something more than that. Now, when the scripture talks about pain in childbirth, it's really not just like the 12 hours of labor or like your 20 hours of labor or whatever hours of labor, or maybe you're like me and it was zero hours because you had an epidural and it was like the best you'd felt in nine months. So <laughs> it's actually childbirth. So when he says pain in, in, it's pregnancy rather, it's not childbirth, it's pain in pregnancy. It's the entire season that you're pregnant. It is the entire time you receive a seed and you're growing it through to offspring. And for farming the land, it is the seed all the way through to the harvest. When the Old Testament talks about seed, it's talking sometimes it's about offspring and sometimes it's talking about plants, but it's the same word. It's using the same word for both. We're all growing seed. In the New Testament, interestingly enough, they do make a distinction. There's one word um, in the Greek, but they have subtle differences in if they are talking about offspring or if they're talking about plants. Uh, The words are sperma and sporos. And so that's pretty clear. We're not going to get that confused. So what I want you to begin to see is that no matter what you're growing, It is going to be done through pain. Every single Christian who takes the seed and is growing it through harvest, it's going to come through pain and struggle. Read the Bible because it's full of everybody who's struggling through. But we know this is part of the process now. 
May we not grow discouraged in the difficulties, but press on to the work and press into the one who is with us and who is guiding us in it. Galatians 6, 9, let us not lose heart in doing good for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And then the fall, harvest season, fall season. It's almost here for us too. Fall is the time when they decide that we have to put pumpkin in everything we eat. I saw an article this week and it was like 21 things in the grocery store with pumpkin and it's like cereal and your coffee creamer and your like fruit bars, but then they're also putting it in weird places like cottage cheese and like a frozen yogurt bar, like frozen pumpkin yogurt, like no thank you, I'll just have my pumpkin and bread and a pie and that's it. That's the only place I want to keep all the other stuff. But the spiritual fall is the season of harvest. This is when our obedience is rewarded. The promise is fulfilled. The vision is realized. The task is over. For Moses, mission accomplished, promised land. For Nehemiah, project completed, wall is built. For Sarah, Isaac is born. Or maybe for some of you, you have a a Job moment, a Job trial. And when you get to the end of it, you just have a deeper relationship with Jesus. You may be wondering how the fruit of the Spirit fits into all of this. Uh, I'll tell you, as you stay connected to Jesus, as we walk in the Spirit, it's just going to be produced. It's just the natural thing that comes from staying connected to the vine. You will always be producing the fruit of the Spirit if you stay connected during this process. You may also be asking, how much of the harvest depends on God and how much of the harvest depends on me? Matthew 9, 38 says that God is the Lord of the harvest and scripture is clear, the Lord multiplies. But I want us to remember the parable of the sower. It's Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. It's the parable where Jesus says seeds are thrown and thrown into different conditions of soil and they all respond differently depending on how the soil was. We're told that's our heart. But the good soil, listen to this. It's verse 23 in Matthew 13. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. We have a difference in harvest. Even in the passage of scripture I read to you in John chapter 15, verse 11 says, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full because maybe there's the opportunity to where we have our joy, but it's less than full. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I have a friend, she's so encouraging to me. She says, you cannot outgive God. And she, she gives, she's just a giver. She's just constantly giving and giving and giving. She even jokes, tell me when I'm giving too much. I love this church because 
It's one of the first things I saw was lavish giving. You're just giving. But it's a harvest and we have to sow. And there are things in the Bible that scare me sometimes. And, and there's probably things in the Bible that scare you too. And if you're sitting there and if you go, I don't really think there's anything in the Bible that scares me, then I'm just gonna encourage you to read some more of it because you'll find something. There's some scary stuff in here, things we don't really like reading. What scares me is verses like this that tell me how much God respects my free will. How I have a free will that can choose less than what God has for me, a free will that can sow sparingly and reap sparingly when God is standing over there with a bounty he wants me to have and I'm just not sowing. When I look at John 15, we see in this section of scripture there is a choice that we make in it. It starts in verse six and it's a really small word but it's got really big implications and it's if. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch, a branch and dried up. Verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There is a choice that we make in the summer. Things get hard and we don't wanna work. We're not sure we wanna stick with it, but we have to stay connected to the vine. Abundant harvest requires us to stay connected to Jesus. Now you may already be able to be, be starting to think about your own spiritual life. What season am I in right now? What could the Lord be doing here? Where, where is he moving? What am I doing? I love that the Lord is giving us this framework that we can begin to use as we look through the changes in our spiritual life. I do wanna caution you. God will never allow us to come up with a formula that he fits neatly into. So what does that mean? It means you may be getting a lot of seeds at one time. It may not just be one. And so each season, each seed is going to have a different season. Each summer could look different. Everything could be a little different. Some could take longer, some shorter. We don't know. Look at Abraham and Sarah. 25 years from the day you're going to be a father till the day he was. Moses, 40 years in the wilderness before they made it to that promised land. Think about when Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus took the water that's required in a growing season, take it to a plant, the seed sprouts, it becomes a plant, has fruit on it, has the grapes, grapes come off, they, they ferment, they're stomped, they turn into wine. Jesus took water into wine and made a whole harvest season in a snap. He can do whatever he wants. They can last as long as he needs them to. I stand before you a woman in a harvest, and it took 1,185 days. I talked to a lady after the first service. She said, Tracy, I just wanna go back. I keep thinking I just wanna go back. And I said, I know we wanna go back, but God wants us to go forward because there's another harvest coming, because there's another seed coming. There's another season coming. 
And may we fight the urge to just go back and say, Lord, draw us forward. I want to invite you to stand. May we begin to recognize that fruitful living has many seasons and many harvests throughout your whole life. I'd like to invite you to just take your hands out in front of you, turn your palms up as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for each person here. Thank you for their open hearts, open hands. God, I pray for seed. I pray, Lord, you begin to put seeds in their hearts, stir them and call them. Lord, I pray we obediently step into the next season, staying connected to you. And God, I pray for a harvest. I pray, Lord, you would multiply our efforts and may we see your glory. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. And in your name I pray, amen. And to each one of you, go and bear fruit. Have a wonderful day.